And as a quick recap, but don't worry, we are going to um, recap the whole thing next week. But before that, our greetings. So, hello and welcome to our Facebook Live and IGTV viewers. And hello and welcome to our podcast listeners. Remember our lives? I edit them to be um, podcast ready um, and they will be uploaded on Anchor and available wherever you get good podcasts um, on Wednesdays. So, what we're covering, this is day two of our Reaching Our Yoga Goals Mindset Shift. The first two that we covered were be an empty cup. That means come into your practice hopefully without any preconceptions or any prejudgment of how the yoga practice ought to be. The second one is find a yoga studio, whether that's um, a live in-person studio or an online studio. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. The, the mode of delivery doesn't really matter. What matters is that the teachers and how they teach yoga, how they deliver yoga resonates with you because if it doesn't, it's not going to it's not going to work because the the rapport the connection there is much much harder to establish and there will be natural resistances if there's if there's a dissonance with between yourself and the teacher and um, how they teach how they deliver yoga and just the place in general our last three points for reaching your yoga goals as a student. And this also applies to anyone practicing yoga. You don't necessarily have to be strictly just a student of yoga or a practitioner, as I prefer to call ourselves. You can also be um, a teacher, and this also applies to you. But we also have a different set for teachers, yeah? But number three of our reaching our yoga goals um, as a yoga practitioner is communicate your goals to your yoga teacher. Yeah, communicate your goals to your yoga teacher. Granted that it takes a while to build up rapport, a good rapport with your yoga teacher and much more for trust, yeah? Rapport is, is kind of the surface um, the, the first level of building trust, building a deeper trust, that takes a lot more time. So, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be with your yoga teacher. Building rapport and building trust um, with somebody new, it takes time across the board, yeah? Um, it is important for you to tell your teacher what it is that you're looking for, what it is you're looking to gain from your yoga practice. For this reason, find a teacher who resonates with you. We touched on that briefly just a moment ago. Find a yoga teacher that resonates with you. Your values, your beliefs, and your general personality. Whether your goals are physical, emotional, 
mental or general health and well-being. It may even be spiritual or it may be non-spiritual mindsets, yeah? Or just a curiosity, yeah? A general curiosity or a general practicality of yoga because maybe you already know that yoga is actually good for you, for your general well-being and you just want to practice it. That's that's just as valid as a deep spiritual practice, yeah? It's a sliding rule and you determine um, where your goals lie, yeah? So whatever your goals are, it will be helpful for your teacher to know this um, so that your teacher can guide you through your yoga journey um, and it will, it will assist them in, in knowing your reasons for being there, yeah? For starting your yoga practice. And again, even if that's just general curiosity of the yoga practice, just say so, yeah? In this way, the practice becomes a partnership. Your yoga practice becomes a partnership between you and your teacher. Let me let me ground this in um, in physical yoga, in vinyasa and asana. There are times when I start my class, I tell my class that I invite them to be present in the moment, to actually participate in their practice. Yeah, and and I explain that that. That may sound odd because they are there. So they are literally there. They are literally doing the practice. Yeah, they are literally following my instructions. So what do I mean when I, when I say that I want them to participate in their practice? What I mean is apart from all of those literal things that they are there, that they are they are moving, they are breathing. What I encourage my students or my practitioners to, to, to feel the mindset is them setting their goal, asking themselves why they are there. If it's the physical aspect, then I want them to draw their attention to the muscular movements, to the joint articulation, to, to the range of their movements. I want them to be honest with themselves and not push beyond the edge, yeah? beyond the boundaries of what their bodies can do. If their reason is psycho-emotional, then I want them to focus more on what is happening in the mind and in the emotions in the moment, especially when, when they find the process to be challenging. Does the mind start chattering? And does, does, do the emotions start putting up walls of resistance? Does impatience suddenly rear its ugly head and, and they want to just, you know, come out of the pose or even lash out at me, yeah? Because that can happen. When, when something is confronting, we lash out. If their goal is other than that, it's, it's therapeutic because they do have something specific in their bodies or specific 
in their psycho-emotional state that they want to address, then, to, then I encourage my practitioners to bring awareness to that. Not necessarily to dig their claws in it and or only focus on, on one or the other aspect. It should always be a, a holistic, a well-rounded practice. But the encouragement there is to be 100% there. To not just let me drag them along from from the first second that we start the practice to the last second of Shavasana or the last second of our um, recovery. It's not me dragging them along. It's them participating. Yeah? And that's when the partnership comes comes into into play because while I can always give them instructions if it's all just mechanical and 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 there's no investment there from the practitioner's side well you'll still you'll still gain you know the the um, strengthening the 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 mobility the flexibility by the very did that you are moving your body and that's also good yeah um, and this is why I encourage practitioners to communicate their goals to their teachers, to their yoga teachers, because then it becomes a partnership, not just one leading and one being led, or one just giving instructions and the other one just doing it, yeah? But of course, it's, if that's all you want, then that's fine as well. Um, but again... The point is, communicate your goals to your, to your um, yoga teacher, yeah? Number four of reaching your goals. Number four, moving on to number four. Give yourself and your practice time to grow. Give yourself and your practice time to grow. Yoga much like any exercise or any lifestyle change, has short-term and long-term benefits. Yeah, we, all, we already all know this, but um, I think it's helpful that we always hear it. Yeah, it has short-term and long-term benefits. Yoga flows or the physical practice, for example, will yield short-term benefits, but will also give you um, more and better muscular strength, flexibility, and the cardiopulmonary endurance only when there is a consistent and dedicated practice. That's the long-term benefit. Yoga is a vast and complex system as well. Moving on from, from the physical practice, Yoga is a vast and complex system of philosophies and practices. And it takes time for its benefits to be felt, even from the um, non-spiritual mindset work, breath work, or mindfulness. Yeah, You need to invest the time and the energy to get into it and to know its many aspects. But even if you are interested in only one aspect of the practice, let's say the physical, it will still take time to fully benefit from it. For example, I just finished this 
past fortnights, we we are doing our studio classes. We're back to studio classes in Melbourne, yay. But we were doing um, a very upper body challenging flow. The, the new, one of the new um, flows in the Constellation series and the class in particular was the Cancer. Uh, no, sorry, scratch that. It was the Leo flow. So um, inspired by the constellation Leo or the, the sun sign of, um, of the lion. Yeah. So there were a lot of cat poses, a lot of downward facing dogs, a lot of mini, mini flows that were quite taxing for, for the wrists because we were in plank poses, which um, demands a, a 90 degree angle in the wrists, yeah? But there are always modifications. But anyway, um, and after the classes, I always tell my students to, to massage their wrists and all that. And some of them came to me saying they don't have any, uh, any issues with their wrists or, or with their hands, the heels of their hands, with their shoulders. But after that flow, it was really, you know, it was really tough. They could, they could feel it. And I told them that that's natural, especially if it's the first time um, that they did the flow with me. And that's also why there were a lot of repetitions, a, a lot of mini flows um, throughout the class to give the, the, the joints and the muscles that time to adjust to, to the demands of the flow and to build up that strength and that familiarity with the position of, of the joints, with the pace of the class, with the strength that's required to do the flow. Yeah. Um, and, and I even told them, which is very true, which is very true, that when I do my own practice with the very same flow, the first few few rounds of the mini flows, the repetitions, do you know? Do I, I also do feel it in my in my wrists and in my shoulders? But as the flow progresses, the challenge on the wrists, the strain on the wrists subside because then my body is now familiar with what's happening. So that's what I'm talking about. The short-term benefits, the long-term benefits is my goal of providing a flow that strengthens the joints, strengthens the muscles, strengthens even the, the um, small muscles of the hands. And that long-term benefit builds up. You can't demand it from just one or two or even, you know, five consecutive classes of the same flow. It builds up, yeah? And it, and it takes a lot of, of other movements to have that more rounded, that more holistic um, buildup of strength, um, of articulation, of mobility, of, of muscle lengthening as well. Yeah. Now let's move on to another example, mindset work. 
yeah, mindset work or, or mindfulness. Let's say it's mindfulness. Our mind, especially if you are like me, that you need to have a lot of things going on all at the same time. And we touched on this with the episode on the gifts of boredom. Anyway, if you're like me, that your mind needs to be busy all the time, having that single pointed focus on what you are doing at at the current moment in the now can be really challenging. So maybe the short term benefits is trying to just focus on one aspect of of what you're doing. Building up that mental and emotional discipline to be focused and to concentrate on just that one thing. The long-term benefit of a mindfulness practice is while you are focusing on one thing, your awareness of the surrounding environment actually heightens. It may sound airy-fairy to you right now, and I promise you it isn't. I'm not that kind of teacher. I'm not airy-fairy. But I promise you it does happen that while, for example, when I'm writing something, I am focused on that, but I still know what's happening around me without necessarily being distracted by them. So this is this is an example of finding calm amidst chaos. And I know I am pretty sure we can all benefit from that. It's a very um, stress management practice. So even though we're stressed at one thing or our life seems chaotic, we can find that quiet space where we can hear ourselves think, we can look at things objectively, and it helps manage that stress. It helps manage all of those other chaos that surrounds us. It really does happen. So, but that's the long-term benefit. We Again, we build up, whether that's a physical practice, a psycho-emotional practice, a more humanity-based mindset practice, or even a spiritual practice, it needs time to grow. And, and you, shouldn't, um, you shouldn't give yourself that time limit. Yeah, you shouldn't demand, oh, from, for this kind of practice, I'll, I'll give myself even, you know, 10 days or 10 weeks or 10 months to go into a handstand or to be able to plop down into a full lotus and just zone out in your meditation. It takes time. Moving on, moving on to the fifth, reaching our yoga goals, mindset, yeah, mindset shift. Number five is goals are not set in stone. Let me repeat. Goals are not set in stone. There is numerous anecdotal evidence to suggest that one's initial reason for taking up yoga changes after some time. And we covered this, we we covered a bit of this in in the 10 mindsets of of a modern yogi as well. But whether this happens or not, it is important that you do not judge yourself for it. Honor where you are in that space and time while keeping an open mind and an open heart. Try new challenges and listen and learn from the lessons that come your way. You may not even realize it, but you may not even realize if, when, 
or how your reasons for practicing yoga changes, it may simply happen. And, and it may simply mean that yoga has become part of your lifestyle or an integral part of your life. And you're, you're, you're living it. You're living yoga. And that is a good thing. That is always a good thing. Meaning to say, with this last point, our yoga goals change because we change yeah we we are not static we are not stagnant and we should never be anyway we should never be stagnant this doesn't mean though that you demand that of yourself that that your your goals should change maybe they don't maybe they wouldn't change and that's okay either way don't judge yourself for it living yoga or really integrating yoga into your everyday life means to say that, and I always, this is one of my core, my core tenets, my core principles in, in the mad yogi mindset shift and the mad yogi, let's say brand, yeah, in my mad yogi brand, that yoga has to transition from being something that, that we do to just being it grows from being something that we do oh yes i do i do my practice at, at this time of day and i do my meditation at this time of day and i have this many sets of kapalabhati or bastrika which are yogic breath works or this is what the breath work i do when it's hot this is what the breath work i do when it's cold and to balance my chakras and to and all of that, it transitions from things that we do to just being something that we do as vital to us and as natural to us as breathing. And again, this is not airy-fairy. To pare it down even more, it becomes relatable and it becomes practical. And this is what I always say. I am a proponent of yoga being relatable and being practical. Pare it down to something that can really integrate with your everyday life. And that's when yoga becomes part of your life. That is when yoga becomes a living, breathing thing that is, that is you. You're living yoga and not just something that you do or that you spout. Yeah, Especially for... Um, this next thing that I'm going to say might sound very controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. Let's say vegetarianism or veganism, yeah? And again, we're, I, I am creating a blog which I will translate into a live and into a podcast specifically on the yogic diet. But let's just use it as an example for now. There's a lot of of yogis out there who would always say, you know, they are against eating meat because ahimsa. And ahimsa is the principle of yoga that talks about um, non-violence. But as I mentioned in our 10 mindsets of a modern yogi, I prefer translating it to non-harming. A lot of yoga teachers and yoga practitioners out there would say, if someone does eat yoga, you're not a true yogi because you're conflicting. You're not, you're not being true to ahimsa. 
and Ahimsa is, you know, you're hurting animals. I don't subscribe to that point of view. I don't subscribe to that point of view. Because for me, what I'm hearing, at least, you may, you may, you may not agree with me, and I do encourage you to engage with me. Type in the comments um, your point of view, yeah? But my point of view is spouting ahimsa and being uh, a vegan or a vegetarian and being really, you know, having really strong emotions regarding that. And I have seen it and I have, I have had, uh, I have had, I have heard, sorry, I have heard stories about it, going into arguments over it. That to me, having that yoga philosophy as just something you do, it is an it in your life. It's a philosophy or it's um, a point of view that's being regurgitated over and over again from, from one practitioner to the next and uh, from the from teacher to practitioner and then if that practitioner becomes a yoga teacher as well it just gets regurgitated and regurgitated without necessarily being truly digested and truly understood because in my point of view if one is truly practicing ahimsa or non-hurting or living yoga yeah living yoga and living the non-judgment of yoga then why are they being judgmental and being um, non-loving, unkind, non-compassionate to people who eat meat and still want to practice yoga. Ahimsa doesn't only apply to one thing. It should apply to everything. So that <laughs> that's an example of yoga being an it, just something you do, just something you, you spout and you... You know, you regurgitate the philosophies to something that you actually live, that you actually give yourself that time to mentally digest and to assimilate into your own life. Anyway, I know, again, I know that can be a little controversial. Um, let, let's talk about it. Tell me what you think in the comments, yeah? Tell me what you think in the comments. Next week, we are going to cover specifically reaching your yoga goals for yoga teachers, yeah? But all of these tips can apply um, not just with our relationship to our yoga practice. It can apply across the board, wherever you want, you want to apply it to or wherever you need to apply it to. They're always there. And I am always here. <laughs> I will see you next week. Our Again, our podcasts are available on Wednesdays, um, wherever podcast, you get your podcasts. And the blogs are available in the reading room on madyogi.net. And I will see you next week. And I am always available on, on our social, social media platforms. <laughs> I will see you next week. And I love you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to our Mad Yogi podcast. I hope you got something from this episode and I look forward to you joining me next time. If you want curated, practical, and affordable on-demand yoga classes, courses, and other yoga resources, come and join me on madyogi.net.
That's madyogi.net. Bye.